fall into heresy is a worse defeat than any the battlefield offers. Hello, and welcome to Heresy Cast. My name is Gabe, and today I'm joined by my father, Ed. Hello. And our friend out in the web, uh, Mr. Sean. How's it going, guys? Good. Pretty good. And today, uh, we're going to continue... Well, it's partially a continuation of the previous episode. Um, we're going to be doing questions uh, questions for newbies, where we're just going to have... Apparently, there's some burning questions that Sean has after the last episode that he wanted to ask on this one. And he thinks that there's enough that we could do a full episode on. So I figured it would it'd be a good opportunity to if see if he's thinking some of the same questions that people out there are. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Sean doesn't have a ton of experience in 40K. So I'm sure there's a lot of things that are it's a gigantic complex rule set it really is between codexes between the rule book between what you're doing what you're setting up on the table there's a ton of questions that can come up that until you've actually had time on the table just seem a little bit you know overwhelming so we're here for you sean that's what we're trying to say (laughs) well that's good because i need somebody to be here for me for this one well that's what we're here for so we've had a little bit of time. I just real quick, a little bit of updates. IG has released, and I happen to know, Sean, you may have gone a little crazy with IG. I'm sorry, Astra Militarum. I, and I, I am always going to call them Imperial Guard, no matter what uh, copyright-friendly names they oh, keep. Oh, wait, the new Guard Codex dropped? Yeah, I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah, the new Well, hold on. Now, now just oh, real quick. It hasn't dropped natively yet. Uh, so... If you bought the Cadia stands box, it came with that and the battle card, whatever they call the cards. Mm, uh, yeah. it, it came in that, and then it came with the cards, the reference cards and stuff. So you're that's able the, to get it. Set where, yeah, that's the set where you get the special full art version of the codex. Yeah. So the the yeah. catch for that is because if I wanted to go out and buy the Imperial Guard codex right now, I couldn't. Because yeah. those special edition box sets are out. So that's always that weird gray area with a release. Where there's like a, a grace period where there's no more that you can get. So only a limited amount of people can even play the army. Right. So then is the army actually genuinely released for, for tournaments or not? Because, well, if not everybody has access to it, is it fair to let, you know, which Some codex is still are. accurate? Yeah. So so in the emails and stuff, because I'm, I'm a subscriber to Warhammer Plus and other stuff too. And... In the emails I get from them, it, it specifically states in there that you're not supposed to use Ninth Edition Astra Militarum Codex yet for for tournaments, just because not everybody across the board will have that data. You know, the so the, so that there there is a lag in people like me who bought the box, and then the people that already have everything that they need. You're still playing Eighth Edition basically at that point. So. Yeah. But if you're just doing kitchen table 40k, you can absolutely use that codex. There's nothing yeah, wrong with that. And they do say, you know, if you know, if people agree, you can use ninth edition. It's just it's not fair for everybody because not everybody has direct access to the codex, you know, until it officially releases. So yeah, and we'll probably get that in another couple of weeks for the full reason. So it's not like there's a gigantic lag time, but I think yeah, it's just, just a little. They started this whenever they did the 8th edition version of the Sororitas. I could be wrong. There may have been other sets like that. It's the one that jumps out to me that I remember the most when they did the special edition 
uh, Codex. It was the full art, and then nobody could play it for a little bit. They've done it for other synths, like whenever Orcs came out, they did it for that. They've done it for every single release. Leagues of Votan, they did the exact same thing, where you had this right. special edition box set to kind of get everyone, like, you know, get the juices Type flowing. For it. Yeah, so to speak, for the army, and then it goes away, and then the real version comes out a couple of weeks later. So Yeah. Yeah, the, the cool thing, so if you, like, for me, I'm going to be new to Astra Militarum. I'm new to the game, of course, but I had built, yeah, I have a lot of Space Marines built and stuff like, the, you know, the Astra, or the uh, Ultra Marines built. And, but the cool thing about this box for someone like me is you're starting, you're getting the codex. Of course, the assembly guide, um, you get all the transfers with it, and then the data cards. And then it comes with 20, 20 Cadian Shock Troops. Um, a Cadian command squad, a Sentinel, and then two uh, a two-person ordnance team, which I'm not sure if it comes with two teams, because it says two times ordnance teams, but I'm guessing that just means two, because ordnance, you can only have two in a team anyway. So, yeah. so my guess would be that is going to be actually four models. Uh, it's, it's, it's two models. It's actually two models. Also, yeah, yeah, because each model has like the one model base has two guys on it, and maybe they corrected yeah. that. I know that there was an issue at a GT not that long ago, um, where they had an issue with the second model that came with a gunner. I think it's the one that was actually for the Eldar. Call, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it may have been IG, but someone had the gun, the, the guy, like the spotter, was actually a separate model. So you had a guy holding a gun, and then you had a spotter with him. And the guy had positioned the spotter in a position where the gun could not be charged legally because you need to be within an inch and a half of the unit that you're charging. And, it, oh, yeah, those are the new ones, and they do have them on the base. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, so Gabe, yeah. literally, his Google Here, wait. Quick. Hold up, wait. I'll, I'll copy yeah. this. Wait, am I, do I have the permissions to do this? Yeah, you're on my account. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a channel in the Heresy Cast Lounge, Sean. If you, whenever you're listening to this, there's a new channel. I'm gonna timestamp it in here with the attached just, image. Just put it in podcast crap. Don't make a new channel. Just put it in podcast crap. Well, but I want to keep it set because if it's separated, then we can just have a list. Okay. Trust, trust me. Keep my channel. Cut that's, this out. That's all I'm saying. Well, yeah, Chris will think. Cut this out and, and and scold us for making a new channel in your Discord. I doubt he'll care. If he cares, he can bill me. <laughs> yeah so like like the ordinance teams they come you know on a large like one of the big big bases yeah they look like they're 60 mils or better yeah and then you have all the so there's like three guys per base and then the you know some extra stuff that they put down the the ammunition boxes and then the actual ordinance piece on the base and like i said i haven't gone through everything yet just because of time but it really looks like, you know, with the ordnance teams, they're pretty self-explanatory. And, of course, two times ordnance teams would mean that there's two total teams in the box. So yeah. basically two bases worth of stuff, you know, in the box for it. So that, that's kind of – it's cool for a starter, you know, to me. I know a lot of people were saying, you know, for – for 200 bucks, you know, are you getting your money's worth? Well, yeah, I'm sure, 
you know, yeah, the models does a good job with those as far as the financial financial. Stuff. There's usually at least a 25 to 30 percent discount on the models. And you've got to consider the fact that you're also getting the codex and the codex right. that you're getting uh, a special edition codex. They do. Those are limited printed. And if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, um, they're also numbered. So like they are like there is a not that I'm trying to push a financial side to it for like rare stuff in in 40k but there is a bit of a bump in the fact that you are getting a different edition of the codex that other players aren't getting yeah and that i don't know enough about to know but i don't see like a special number on it or anything but it could be somewhere in the book that i have no idea you know like it does have the the code so you know it has the oh that's just for the warhammer app so you can access the the yeah on theirs yep and you know i've never done that i need to do that i have the app on my phone i'm i'm not gonna lie like legitimately i always end up just pulling up battle scribe and <laughs> just making my armies that way so i know it is something that you can do is put the code in in your warhammer app and you will have access to the the, the upside to the app of course is that they keep it updated so if there's an faq or something that changes with the rules or a ruling they will put all of that into the app whenever they do it so that's actually pretty useful yeah, and it's the book is different. So, like the ninth edition books are blue. This is not blue. It's more of a, I'm gonna say I can't totally tell, but it's like a brownish, greenish, something like that. Yeah, that's how they did their full art ones. So, like for example, I don't, yeah, let me see if I can look at this. Up. I'll have to see if I can find it. But like I know that in the regular books, there's like the big gigantic Warhammer 40k logo on it, and then you have the name. And then for those special edition ones, it's almost just like just the art. Yeah, it's a, so the covers is just the art. The spine has, you know, Codex, has Warhammer 40K Codex, Astra Militarum in white, and then, the you know, their flag symbol down at the bottom for a Games Workshop or Warhammer from Games Workshop. And the front has, you know, dude on his horse, so it's that's got to be the big leader guy. Yeah. And then, then a tank on the back, you know, and it's... One of the things, so, you know, one of the attractive things for me with this army is it very much feels like, like I'm playing a World War II style army. You know, yes, I know I'm no. not, but, but it's, you know, it really feels like, I think, I think playing wise on the table, it's, it almost feels like you get more bang for your buck. Well, and legitimately, I, I think you're going to find as you play them a little bit, you're going to find that like it, Astra Militarum, Imperial Guard, are humans. They are, mm -hmm. they're not the super soldiers. They're not genetically modified. They're not demons. They're not aliens. They are humans. And they are, and they are in the billions and billions across the Imperium. So it, it, there's a lot to be said there. You are correct in the fact that I feel like there's a lot of it that has a lot of World War I stuff, World War II, depending on which branch or which version of the astronaut term you go like so for example like the death core krieg folks they have a very world war one look to them with the gas right. mask like like even yep. um the and i don't know if they still have them i have to take a look um forge world used to do um rough riders for the uh death or death core krieg and even the horses had gas masks on them which i thought was really cool yeah and it's uh, i'm trying to trying to find the the page that i was looking at earlier the uh, only thing I don't like about it is it doesn't have the like string markers and stuff for oh, the Latarum yeah. book. But yeah, I mean it has, you know, everything I think that you would you know, you would want in a human type army, including, you know, horses, 
which is interesting, you know, having the, you know, having your cavalier type armies, they're pretty cool. They're very interesting color wise too, because they're not just all, you know, the army drab green type guys, you know, they have they the can rough be riders. If you want, if you, if you want to go with Cadians, they can be that, or you could get, um, what's the other one? The Catachans. You can get like the Rambo looking ones. If you want to go down that route, yep. um, you can get the Vostrians, which are more like the, the, what's the right word? Russians isn't the right word. It's the, the czar. Was it the Russian forces that were? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, they look like a mix between Russians and Prussians. Yes. Yes. So like, depending on what world, what home world that particular Imperial Guard is from, Cadians are the most common. They're going to be the quote unquote ultramarines of this particular faction where that's the most common. Those are the ones you're going to see the most, but there are other different varieties and variations. Um, the catch for me, that's always been kind of a shame to be an IG player. Like if I want to have blood angels, I get a regular tactical Marine. I paint it red. It's a blood angel. If I want to do Dark Angels, I paint them green. They're now Dark Angels. Imperial Fists, they're yellow. But if I want to do those differences between like the Catachan Jungle Fighters or the standard Cadians, like they're literally different models. Like I can't just take a standard Cadian Guardsman and mm-hmm. paint him to have muscles. Like it's, it's just not mo- modeled that way. Yeah. Right, right. And, so, you know, like, well, the, the cool thing too is, you know, I like the concept of the Shock Troop guys. Um, you know, my first introduction to them was in Kill Team, and it's whatever Octavius or Octave, whatever it was called. Um, and I don't know, let me put my glasses on and I can read it. It's uh, Octarius is what it was called. So you, they gave you 10 Astra Militarum troops, you know, that you could build out in certain ways. And, you know, it gave you like the Medic one and the Comms one <laughs> and all that. And I just fell in love with those guys just playing kill team with them. You oh know? yeah, and, and they're just the, the basically the shock troops, you know. Who the, the death corps? You know, and then you have what the temp- tempestus regiments and stuff, which gives you more like a World War One steampunk type feel, you know. So these guys kind these guys kind of run the gamut. <laughs> they do, they do. So a lot of variety, and I think you'll find a ton of fun out of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not to not to forcefully re, do like rerail this conversation. Oh no, we do this all the time. I know. Mm-hmm. I, I was gonna I was gonna give it like fifteen minutes before I. <laughs> yeah. No, we get us back on track. We go down a lot of rabbit trails. Anyway, so this is more a show specifically for the new players and Sean. So Sean, I know we uh, had a little bit of setup. We only didn't, didn't give you a ton of warning, but you did mention that you had some questions that you wanted to ask. So ask yep. away questions for newbies. Number one, what do you got, Sean? Okay. Building armies. And th- it's kind of confusing. Cause I'm, you know, I have the core rule book in front of me and I've been reading it today and it's a lot of words you know, that... Let me go get mine so I can pull page references out. Give me two seconds and Gabe, continue, please. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, okay, so basically it starts, you know, talks about command points, but then every time I've heard about command points was always what you spend during your battles to be able to do, you know, specific things in the battle that might help or help your troops or hinder the other team. But then it starts talking about battle-forged armies and command points. And then it's talking about, you know, command patrol, incursion, strike force, onslaught, 
then it talks about power levels or point limits, which I understand those things. And then it says 18 command points. So my guess is that is that to buy stuff with? Is that like what you're using? Oh, there's a lot to unpack there. So well, why don't we start from the beginning? So with with how command points work, the amount of command points that you have. So the game itself kind of, I, I like to think of it as the game itself kind of starts before you even put models on the board. It mm -hmm. starts with how you're deciding to build that army. And so right. with the command points, you get more command points, the more points that are being played. So the higher the level, the more, the, the more amount, but there is a set number that each player has to begin with. And then there are certain things like, oh, I'm going to buy another relic that costs me a command point. It's it's as if you were spending that command point in the game, but you're just doing it in a pre-game move. So that whenever you start the actual game, you have less to begin with. So it's like, okay, if you start with six, I want to have a warlord trade, a an extra relic, and one other thing on I something else. Like I give some guy a, an ability that he gets for his thing that means that i'll start with three but i'll have the benefit of those extra things and you have to decide what's worth it and what's not yeah, yeah I, I get that and so let's let's start with the beginning here sean so if you actually go to your core rule book and i'm going to reference page 244 for those that's, at home that's right right where i'm at i'm ready to so, go before you start a game, you want to decide what size game you want to play. And that's quite literally, it's either points or um, power level on how big you want to play. The starting recommendation when to learning how to play the game is that 50 point level or up to 500 points. I personally don't believe that. I really do feel that the game starts at a thousand points or a hundred power level, um, simply because there's enough points to go around. And what that will do, if you're just playing directly out of the core rulebook, now keep in mind, there are those yearly update books that they put out every year. Um, they're not required reading. If you're just playing just for fun and you're not intending to ever play in a tournament, don't worry about them. But if you are interested in kind of keeping up with the Joneses and what the rules are, um, if you play directly out of the book, how it works is whenever you pick whatever that battle size is, that tells you how many um command points you start off with at the beginning of the game so let's say for example you decided that you were going to play a thousand point game i always play with points i've not really done a lot in command points and power or power level yeah so like i've always i've always done points so let's say that you're starting at an incursion level so the incursion level is going to tell you that you can go anywhere between 501 and a thousand points you should probably get as close to a thousand as possible and the very very beginning of the game you're going to start with six command points the very next thing that it's going to ask you to do is to pick a detachment. Now, the detachment determines what troops are, what, what units are required to be on the board and how many slots you have open for those. And then on top of that, it also depends on, so it determines which unit or like which types of units you are required to have, but it also alters which other kinds of units you can have. Like certain detachments won't allow, like, for example, like fast tack. If I'm running a, a certain detachment, it won't allow here. He has, yeah, it's the next couple pages. Certain ones have higher restrictions than other ones. So if you really like running heavy support or yeah, like heavy support tanks and running Lehman Rust tanks, you don't, you're probably not going to want to run a detachment that's going to limit the amount of tanks that you can use. So you yeah, have to you really want to go with like a spearhead detachment. Exactly. 
So what you find is yeah. So, so whenever so real, real, real quick before we oh. before we jump too far into this. So when you look at page two forty four, that tells you the level of game you're playing, right? So right. you're let's just say we're playing incursion because that's the five hundred one to a thousand. Yeah, good. And then it has and then it has six six command points. So so then we go to the next page two or not next page but two forty six. And then it talks about detachments. And then you look at where it says incursions. It says number of detachments. That means that the most I could have is two. Is that correct? Is that okay? So that is correct. But I can yeah. have one. Well, legitimately, I, I could have one if I want to. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, no, you, th that's just a max number. So legitimately, if you had the points, you could squeeze it in. You could run, say, two patrols. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's something I like doing. And the re the main reason why people do that is uh, ultimately, and it's usually those elite slots and the hq slots well Whereas if you take note each one of these detachments you can only have up to one to two usually hq slots and your hqs are usually your, your high powered characters for the most part live in those hq slots so for example if you're taking a patrol you can only have two hq units and you'll know that whenever you're looking through your codex it'll tell you you know it'll, they the, the symbols in the the in this on these pages 246 and 248 248 and 249 match your codex so when you're looking at a data sheet for a, a unit you'll know precisely what um slot it fit, fills into based on that icon so if you're looking right. at um, I don't know. Let's take a take one off the top. If we're talking not Mortarian is probably a bad idea, but if you're looking at what one of my HQs, yeah, Typhus, 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 Lord of Contagion. That's the one I run all the yeah, time. Yeah, so Lord of Contagion, Lord of Contagion is an HQ slot. Once you take Typhus in your Death Guard army, that fills one of those HQ slots. So if you're running a patrol, you can only ever get one more additional HQ, and then you're done. You can't have any more. If you wanted more, you'd have to run a second patrol or a second other detachment that would let you fit in more HQ slots. Correct. But then that reduces the amount of command points you have at the exactly. end of the game. Correct, but there is a special rule, and I don't know if you take notice on this. If you look at every single one of these, um, it costs two, you're right, it costs two command points to take a patrol. But on the left-hand side over there, it says command benefits, plus two command points if your warlord is part of this detachment. You're so you can get it right back immediately. Yeah, so your warlord is basically the leader of your army, and you need to declare at the beginning of every game who your warlord is. Some special characters require them to be the warlord. So, for example, Primarchs. Yeah, Primarchs tend to tend to do that. So, um, so Reboot, whatever his name is, Reboot, yeah, Reboot Gilliman, Mortarian, yeah. Angron's probably going to do it. Um, so, well, so Silent quick. King does it. So let's just say, and I'm going back Magnus. to Space Marines because I know a little bit more about them right now. Right. So if I wanted to use a Primaris Captain, I could make him the HQ then. Yeah, he can be an HQ. And if you don't take another character that has a special rule that says they have to be the Warlord, he could be the You could also name him the Warlord. The Warlord. And if he's a Warlord, your patrol detachment basically comes out to a net zero. So you still it, have six. Yeah, start. it costs you two command points to build that detachment. But since you have your Warlord in it, it you get two command points back. What they're trying to do is they're trying to discourage people from taking multiple detachments um, and paying a tax for it with command points. And as we'll get to, I'm sure, a little bit later, Sorry, say, say, say that again, they're... They're trying to force you to take multiple or not 
to do they're trying to make you take one they prefer you take just one detachment um there are certain um factions in the game that are better off but it is a cost there is a tax to taking multiple detachment and that tax is your command points so as an example then just bear with me on this so let's just say that i wanted to build a thousand point army i wanted to have three tanks okay not two but three tanks yep Um, you know, let's just say three Lehman Rust tanks. Now, for that, I would have to go to a battalion detachment. But, and this is the next leads into the next question. So the colored one, so it says HQ23, and then it's red, orange, and blue. That means that I have to have what at least one HQ, or do I have to have two HQs in that army to make it legal? Because so- the, I don't, I don't, the color ones I don't understand totally. Yeah, so if you're looking at the um, if you're looking at the ones that are colored, how the bottom number is already a number. So the bot the minimum you can have in that is two, and for troops the minimum you can have is three. Whereas the other ones the minimum is zero. So those red ones are required for you to take required. for you to be able to okay, take that, that attachment. That makes sense. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't even notice that looking across that there were zeros on there. Okay. Yeah. So you have to have at least X amount in each one of these to make it legal. Yeah, and as you go up, the requirements like get more difficult to fulfill. Like in the patrol, you just have to have one HQ and one troop choice, and that's all. And then everything okay. else is basically freeform. But at the same time, it also very much limits the maximum of the other things you can take. Whereas if you look at the battalion again, yeah, you ha- you're required to take more... But, like, there are now six elite choices. There's now three fast attack. Like, the the amount that you can have is increased by a lot, but you're yeah. required to take more. So Italians are really, really good for when you hit that 2,000-point limit. Like, yeah. a vast majority of the list that I see start off in that battalion. But you are correct in the fact that there is also an additional tax that I'm required to do two HQ, and I'm required to do three troops on a battalion. Now... Most people use their troops as their objective parkers. Yeah. Like, they're the guys that are going to kind of sit on the objective because they're just going to stand there and hold it. That's what they're trying to do. That's all they care about. So that's something you were probably going to do anyway. But there are other options. Like, for example, if you wanted to go with the spearhead uh, detachment, there's no troop requirement. There's one HQ and there's three heavy supports or a vanguard. There's one HQ and two elites. You're not required to take troops. It's advisable because having those cheap, um, I want—I don't want to say disposable units because they are kind of key to winning a game if you want to have them on an objective. How about utility no, 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 Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're talking, let's just say Astra Militarum, they're disposable units. Okay, yeah, probably good. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying wrong, to but, think of the correct word that I'm thinking of. Because there's plenty of people that, go, that spend the bare, bare minimum tax on their troops so they can get all the other cool stuff. They want to get all the heavy supports. They want to get all the elites because that's what's going to win them a game. And I argue that that's not the case because I spend a lot of points on my sister squads, for example, to make sure that I have 10, 10 woman squads sitting on an objective and holding that objective. Like that's important to winning the game. Like ultimately you have to kind of, when you're, you're building your list, trying to determine like what, who's doing what role. And I have three five-woman squads that are going out and getting objectives all the way towards the other end, and then two ten-woman squads in the back holding the objectives and just holding the line. Okay. And that makes total sense to me because, you know, like with my shock troops, I can have up to 20 in, you know, in a unit. 
And I haven't, I haven't read your codex yet, but where do you get the conscripts? I think you can get like 50 guy squads of conscripts for like, yeah, 30, it, it almost, like it almost, points. <laughs> it almost reminds me of the skinks or whatever they were called in yes. fantasy. Oh, where... they die like dogs and they die in droves, but like, yeah, there's so many. It, it's ultimately the thing is like, I have more guys than you have bullets, kind of. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. And that's kind of the, you know, if you want to hold an objective, just throw 50 guys on an objective over six rounds and, and hope the rest of what you have can contain everything else. You know, that's right. kind of. Well, and keep in mind, there is some strategy to the, I'm going to throw a bucket of dice at you. I'm going to roll enough fives and sixes or whatever it is to hit you and do damage. I right. literally, I literally watched Gabriel in a, in a previous edition, but I literally watched Gabriel kill a Land Raider tank <laughs> with a single orc slugger. A single, yeah, just because of the like the RNG of dice. Somehow. I got a hit, I got a wound. He did not get a save, and it, it didn't and he rerolled it, and it didn't do it. He, all it had it was one damage. Yep. So it, it can happen. Dice are funny things. So then I okay. didn't win that game, but I still felt like I won the moral oh, victory no. at the end. Because who cares who won the game? I it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You had that moral victory on the table. <laughs> so okay so the other question i have in building is the the power point so in the right. in the codex it talks about power now that's where you're going with instead of buying with uh points. with command points per se or with command points you're buying no not with command points like with the it's that point level it's that number in the middle if you go back to page 244 it's that point limit so you're right there's a lot of points that get bounced around command points are specifically used for stratagems those cards that you got yeah. in your extra metal card those little extra bonuses you can do during a turn but yeah. you're right there are two methods to building an army you can either do it with power level which each data slate is going to have a power level for a specific unit and tell you how many are in it or they're going to give you a point limit per model. Yeah. So it, it, it's so the key difference in the two in, in points and power level is that with points you can have the intricate nuance of like weapon variety and different like uh, war gear choices. Whereas if you go with power level, it's 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 more it's like you can it's whatever the model the model has. Well, it's either whatever the model has, but you can also equip. Because if you're running off power level, you could equip whatever weapon you want in the power level. Sure. And that, so it can feel a little unbalanced at times with power level because you can have something that like probably is a little too good, but it's because it didn't have to pay for a, a weapon that it normally would have. Right. Right. Think of it this way. Usually the casual, uh, like fun game, it's probably advisable to go with power level because it gets you out of the five points for this gun and then 10 points for this upgrade. And then I'm going to go ahead and spend another 15 points on this to doing that little nickel and diming stuff for a unit where it's just a, this unit of Marines cost me four points in this tank over here. Five power five level. Points. Right. And then whatever they're armed with, they're armed with kind of thing. Now it's a more, it's a more, not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say simplistic, but it's a more, less complicated. It's a less complicated way to play the game. Whereas you can just have bigger numbers that it's like, okay, we're going to play at 50 power level. What can I build with 50 power level? And then you can literally just look in your codex and go, that's six, that's seven. These guys are three. But if I upgrade them to have 10 more guys in it, it bumps them up to a six and then like blah, blah, blah. But then for the most part, relics and stuff don't add. Some relics add power level. Some do, yeah. But like those are the really powerful ones that are like actually game changing. Yeah, so if you want to go with a 
like I said, power level is probably the best place. It's a complicated way to start the game. That's probably the way. Because that way there you don't have to worry about, oh, what am I equipping? This guy's got a missile launcher. I forgot to pay the points for it. That guy's got a power sword and this one's got a pit bolt pistol. Pay the point. You can just everybody just has what they have. You can forget all of it and whatever your guys have, they have. As just so long as you're in agreement with your other player that they're not going to abuse the power level system because it is very abusable. I have seen uh, lists online of people that have matching 100 uh, power level lists where one list, if you were to move it over to points, is like 850 points. And, and the one, other ones, like in the 2,500. Yeah, like, yeah, two, yeah, 2,500 points because of Just, all of the upgrades that they were able to get for free. Doing because you're, not, you're doing it on power level. Okay, so hopefully that answered your question as far as... Points. The basics of building, yeah. It's... Basics of building. You did hit one other question I want to hit on to, and that's that battle-forged army thing. Yep. So the basic definition of a battle-forged army is technically, by the rules, if you have a box of models and you say you've got 10 orcs and 10 marines and 14 tyranids and a you know chaos dreadnought, there's nothing in the rules stopping you from fielding that as an army. However, armies gain bonuses for being all from the same faction. So if you do that and you do the whole mixed bag of models, um, you're not going to get the bonuses for being battleforged. And basically what this is trying to do, in editions past, they allowed an ally system that allowed you to take a unit from this, a unit from there, and a unit from there, and kind of all put them into a big swath of an army. And they're pushing players away from that. So the easiest thing to worry about Battleforge, as long as every model in your army is from the Imperial Guard and you're using the Imperial Guard Codex, you're Battleforged, you're fine. Now there is an additional rule to that, which is whichever sub-faction you pick. So if every model in your detachment, say you're taking a patrol and you decide that, every, and I'm going to pick, I, I don't know your codex, so I'm going to pick the Sisters of Battle to talk about for, for a little one. If I take Bloody Rose as a detachment and every model in there has to be from Bloody Rose. So whatever bonuses or you know, detriments that Bloody Rose gets, that applies to all of them. If I were to take two detachments, say, say two patrols in my army, and one of them's Bloody Rose and one of them's um, Armored Lady, I I lose bonuses to both of those because they want the whole army to be from the same faction and from the same sub-faction to get all of the bonuses. So just take this rule of thumb. I'm going to pick my codex. I'm playing Imperial Guard. And I don't know what the sub-factions are in, the, in that codex. And they're all going to be from the same sub-faction. You're fine. So, like Space Marines, when I look with Space Marines, I could take Imperium as long as everything is Imper- has the keyword Imperium. Correct. Then I would be Battleforged. Yeah, so... Yeah, so that's probably a better example. So you technically could, if you wanted to, take an army that comprised of some of your Ultramarines and some of your IG. So yeah. they would fall. We also have like cool things like special command units. Mm-hmm. You could technically speaking mix in sisters and marines and guards. Yeah, yeah. They all have the same appearance. The downside is whatever bonuses those special subfactions get, they would lose because you have detachments from different subfactions in there. Right. So so explain what you just said. So, You'd have 
Here, so, I have a really so, base, so basically, so, so let's say I had a detachment of space marines that were all space marines. I had all ultramarines. All ultramarines, yep. A detachment of astromilitarum, all astromilitarum. And then I had a third detachment of Sisters of Battle. Would So because I'm using three different factions, we'll call it, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I would lose a lot of the special abilities that the factions would have, correct? Correct. Right. So, for example, one of the things for being a Battleforged army that the sisters get, and I think this is pretty universal against all the sub-factions, this is where your troops gain objective secured. Um, you would lose that. Um, there are other bonuses, like, for example, my Miracle Dice is a mechanic that's built inside of the Sisters of Battle. They would lose the ability to use that use that um, special ability because they are not a fully Battleforged army. So it's like one of those things, like, yeah, technically you can do it, but you're really playing at a detriment by doing. They wanted to leave rules open so that everybody can play with all their toys. But they also didn't want people to make crazy overpowered combos by mixing a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this here. Yeah, okay. But basically when people, and I'm not ever going to be a tournament player, but when people play in tournaments or, you know, or for more competitive play, you're going to see basically all ultramarines or all sisters or, okay. Correct. You you really don't... Yeah, you it's don't gonna be all space the marines and all of those space marines are ultramarines, and it's going to be all sisters of battle and all of those sisters of battle are going to be bloody rose. The only time that you'll probably see decent mixture will be either it, it, it it'll be chaos factions and demons. If those two have like a a hand in hand entanglement where it's okay. like you can use a good bit of the stuff out of the demon codex in regular uh, play of. Uh, cast base marines. Yeah, but demons have specific rules saying that they're allowed to do that. They're yeah, one of the because that can. Yeah, they're the one of the only. Yeah, those two is some of the only that can. So it's like those are the only two that you'll ever really see making alliances because the the, the rules allow them to do so and remain battle forged because they're chaos. Gotcha. So the next question I have: so special characters. So yeah, the HQ the HQ special characters. Um. There, so, are some, there are some social characters that fall into an elite slot too, but continue. Yeah, I, I understand. I'm I'm talking about the HQ mm-hmm. to start with. So and, uh, let me find a good one here. Um, Ursula Creed. Okay. There you so go. There's she, a good one. Yep. So she is a HQ figure. She comes as one figure, period. Correct. One model. One model. Now, does she stand around on the battlefield as one model or do I yep. put her in with a Cadian shock group group? So that's a great question. So in editions past, you used to have special characters that would join units and they could basically use that unit as a bullet monkey. And what they found was there are some weird interactions with the rules um that they wanted to prevent a lot of the my ability overlaps with your ability overlaps with your ability and then you all of a sudden have this unkillable unit so she would basically stand by herself however there is a special rule for all special characters that says as long as they are within three inches of any other unit they cannot be the target of an attack 
Well, ranged attack. Ranged attack. Now, there are exceptions to that rules, like sniper rifles, for example. That can specifically yep. pick out those targets. But for like, So, for example, you've got 50 Cadian shock troopers in front of you, and you've got Ursula in the back, and I've got my Sisters of Battle uh, Retributors. My Retributors cannot pick her out to shoot her because it's called the Lookout Sir rule. Those 50 Cadian shock troopers are there to protect her, so I can't pick her out. However, however... If you are in a bad position and, and you, she's the closest, she model. is the closest model. Then she is absolutely targetable. So you have to be careful with positioning because if you get into a bad spot and she becomes the closest, now it doesn't matter and she can be shot at any. As long as she's not the closest models and she's within three. Now there are other characters that have like the bodyguard rule that can still right. kind of kind of guard them. So yeah, you're gonna be kind of careful. Now ultimately, in the end, how you're gonna put them on the table. I've absolutely mixed and matched HQ units inside of units. Um, they're not part of that unit. So they're just being covered by they're it. They're just being covered by it. And sometimes because when you're trying to put models on the table, you're trying to squeeze everything into a very it's small easier area. To look at. It's kind of easier to look at. But effectively, as far as the rules are concerned, they are one individual model and they are treated as an independent model and the rules follow through. For example, if someone's trying to charge that unit, they didn't charge your HQ, they charged that unit. So they have to declare both units that they're declaring. Or my personal favorite, if you have an HQ surrounded by troop choice and someone goes to try and charge your HQ, they can't because there's an inch of models around me. So you can't get into close combat. You have to go through the units first. Correct. So there is a tactic to the game, which everyone affectionately calls bubble wrapping, (laughs) um, which is to basically take a special character that you want to keep alive and, and sit him in the middle. Sit him in the middle and have about a one inch or one and a half inch bubble around them and surround them by other models, which basically protects them. Now, keeping so, in mind, most of your special characters have an ability that says all units within three inches of the model get this, or all units within six inches. So you want to have, like, they build the rules so that you really want to stay close to your HQ units. Yeah. Okay. So with that said, so I now have a lot of range stuff that can attack you know with blast right correct indirect fire so the indirect fire side of things so let's say i shoot my basilisk and i'm using the Earthshaker cannon which is a heavy d6 plus three strength of 10 armor piercing three damage two right and it has blast this this weapon can target units that are not visible to the bear okay so i shoot this i shoot it and it's within 240 inches which is basically across the game store on a different table um so with that said then if i'm targeting the unit that one of these special characters are in how does that affect the special character with the blast? So it doesn't affect her in 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 days past <laughs> when you in, actually had a template. In days past, we used to have these clear plastic circles that were literally the blast radius of explosives. So in that day and age, we would have put that circle over the point of impact and said, "Is she inside of it?" And if she was, then yeah, she would have hit by it. But now the rule goes that. Your attack hit the unit, so the unit is the one receiving the damage, and she doesn't really it like it doesn't affect her yeah, unless there's a special rule that says it does. Because splash damage or something. Yeah, there are some guns that will be like, oh, my Tesla cannon can like zap some electricity to some other people within X amount of inches. 
So it's like, it, it depends on if it says it can but do that. You, you said the key word right there in targeting. I'm yeah. targeting this unit. Well, in order to target that unit, you have to follow a certain sets of rules. They need to be visible. You need to be able to draw direct line of sight, unimpeded direct line of sight, and the lookout sir rule isn't in place. So even though you can potentially see it, even though you can definitely reach it with the range, you still can't pick a special character out to drop that Earthshaker cannon on because there's uh, there other troops around them are going to be the ones they have to kill first. Yeah, exactly. So even when it says you don't need to be within line of sight, so that that rule, so the rule saying it doesn't need to be in line of sight is overwritten by the rule on the HQ saying that they have to, or if they're within three inches of a troop or I guess any other unit, that that one has to be targeted. Right. So I have to dig it up. Give me a second. To see well, because it's it's not a line of sight thing. It's a even if you had line, line of, sight. of sight means basically, Sean. It, so if you have a ruin, and ruins are a fairly common terrain piece in 40k. I've right. got a ruin between you and me, and that ruin's got windows in it. So even though I can get my head down the model's eye and look through a window and see your model through the ruin, that ruin is considered to be obscuring terrain, which means even though I can physically see you, I can't draw a line of sight to you without a piece of terrain touching that line of sight to be able to shoot you. So because if you're standing behind a building that even though I can quote-unquote see through it, I can't draw a line of sight without touching terrain. I can't target you. Exactly. Okay. So what your Earthshaker cannon says, the Earthshaker cannon's on one side of a ruined building and a tank's on the other side. You can still shoot the tank because okay. yours go, yours is going up and over. That's all that line of sight rule is saying is that you don't have to be able to draw directly yeah. of sight between the two models to be able to target. Which means what you do with it is you park it in the back left field or the back yes. field. Yeah, you just park it in the backfield behind a building where no one will ever see it and you just fire shell shells every round. That thing's going to fire five times and kill five things. Right. Yeah, and I knew that we would once we started talking about this portion of it because to me, so this game, what's interesting to me about this game is I'm learn trying to learn it in three phases so the first is how to build that's number one yeah, and hopefully the, we helped you with that oh absolutely i i think i got that down now and then the second part of the game i need to learn is so that command point side and i'm not talking about the building side i'm talking about the usage side right and then and then how to build like my command deck or whatever you're going to call it sure so that I know what to use because I have to look at what the intrinsic things that the special units have, you know, and then what am I, what am I needing to help? Like, um, you know, so that all my sixes do extra damage, things like that, you know, absolutely. That, I think that sounds like a great part too, to questions for noobs that we can do next episode. Yeah. I mean, that'll be a little slimmer because that'll be army specific, you know, um, oh, I don't think that's gonna be. A, I think it's gonna be a long show. To be honest with you, I think that's. I think there's a lot there. You asked what seemed seemingly were simple questions that probably have longer answers than you might think. True, very true. And then the third part for me to learn the game is the the game. You know, the sure. playing it on the field. You know, no understanding. You know, this phase then goes into this phase and so on and so forth for. Absolutely. I think we might have to do some show and tell on that one. We might actually have to pull up uh, some images and actually like 
put down objectives onto a board and show you some physical examples of this unit's holding that objective. I was I was talking about playing a game and then doing a play-by-play, uh, like a play-by-play pictures so that we can make like a slideshow sort of to show you like each individual stage happening and what that would look like on the field. Right. Sounds like a great next episode. Plus it gives me a reason to get a game in this week. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm. I think I'm good for the week. My head is about overloaded, and uh, <laughs> probably take me two weeks to recover, and then we'll go on to the next. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> you want to head us on out there? I mean, already. Right. I didn't get to say my line today. Yeah, <laughs> because I started today. Um. Well, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as always. Um. We're gonna be here. Again, uh, we're going back to... Is it lore next week? Um, I don't know. I think Sean's got more questions. We might go one... We might just go another one? We might go another yep. one to kind of do game questions. And then and then we finally, finally get to go back yeah. to a little bit of lore. And we can talk about the, hmm. the, the apostasy, the age of apostasy. We're going to talk about where this invasive battle came from. Not the feet. The second civil war of the Imperium. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. So story time with Ed is coming back. Yeah, after one more of me managing to cobble an episode together for us. It'll be good. All right, well. Do you want to say bye to everybody? Yeah. Uh, my name's Gabe. It's all, It's been a pleasure, everybody. Uh, everybody else will say goodbye. Sean, always good talking to you, my friend. Yep, great to be here. Glad we got this one in, finally. Finally. Yeah, we've had some difficulties, but we're young, and but we're, we're, we'll get back on schedule. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and we will see you guys in the next one. On duty, honorably discharged.